Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Turn to the book of Hebrews chapter number three. Hebrews chapter number three. I'm going to read a few verses of scripture as you are turning there. Amen. This morning, just remember that this Thursday is the third Thursday. And so that's power hour here at the church prayer from 730 to 830. We announce it, although it's just as regularly on the calendar as our Wednesday night and Sunday morning, Sunday night services. Amen. The third Thursday of the month. Prayer here at the church. We need prayer. We need prayer. And we need to pray. <laughs> we need to be both, both recipients of prayer and givers of prayer. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 3, starting with verse number 12. I'll be mindful again of your time today. And if you hear any ambient noise later outside with the kids, they're just having a good time. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. I think it would be interesting for them to hear some noise in here. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Hebrews 3 and verse number 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. Or unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Again, this morning, continuation of our one another series. This is the last in a lesson of five. And I think it's evident this morning that our focus is on exhort one another. Father, I need you, Jesus, this morning. God, quite frankly, Lord, we all need you here today. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, that your word would, God, do its perfect work. God, among us this morning, I pray, oh God, today, Lord, it would speak to our hearts and our lives. God, we could glean from it, could build our lives upon it. Lord Jesus, I pray that it would be the center of our focus. God, anoint us now in the next few moments. God, that something said could, Lord, breathe life, Lord, into God a soul. Bring life, Lord, into a circumstance or a situation. God, and we will not fail, Lord, to thank and praise you, Lord, for what you do and accomplish, Father, in this place. The lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I've made it my purpose to be very redundant over the past few weeks and tell you concerning these one another lessons that we have had just for review. If you remember them, first of all, was to acknowledge one another, to acknowledge one another. We looked at the scriptures about greeting one another with a holy kiss and how being able to do that or what today might be a handshake that we had to actually be there in order to do that. We acknowledge one another. And since we acknowledge one another, we have the capability then of loving, loving one another. And the love that we spoke about was not a love that was a feeling, but a love that was a choice and a decision, a love that was not a romantic love or a brotherly love or a family love, but a love that was the unconditional love that God even showed to us. And that love was the benchmark even for the love that we would show to each other. Thirdly, we talked about serving. 
serving one another. Since we loved one another, we could serve one another. And we brought scriptures from Jesus washing the feet of his disciples and said, as I have done to you, so likewise do to one another. And so we put ourselves not as slaves to one another, but servants, servants to one another. Not as though we were obligated so much so to serve, but out of a want to, out of a desire uh, to, we serve one another. And then last week we talked about to pacify to pacify one another or be at peace with one another. We talked about how it was important as a body of believers and even beyond the walls of this place that we needed to be at peace one another because peace has a means of creating and help uh, support unity and that the body of Christ were, although they are many members, they are one body. And so it's important that we have peace in order to safeguard the oneness of the body of Christ. And then today we come to the concept of exhort. And we looked at all these kind of in a backward perspective that it would be difficult to exhort someone if you weren't at peace with them. It'd be difficult to be at peace with someone if you did not serve them. Difficult to serve somebody that you didn't love and be difficult to love somebody that you couldn't at least acknowledge. And so when we looked at all these different things throughout the past five weeks, we come to understand this one another stuff is about doing these things mutually, about doing these things reciprocally. As I do it to you, you likewise do it to me. And three of these, I know for sure that we've all had an example to follow, and that's been the example of Christ. It's been the example of Christ. He's been, if you will, he, he has set the, the bar high for all of us in loving and in serving and, and being at peace with one another. And so here we are again. These one another verses, they're scattered, several of them, all throughout the New Testament scripture. But there's particularly about 47 that are commanding us as believers to do have some type of action or some type of behavior one toward another. And it is of these verses that approximately 10% of them are telling us to exhort one another. Now, exhort in the New Testament scripture has a lot of flavor to it. Has a lot of flavor to it. It can mean to admonish one another or to comfort one another. It can mean to teach one another or instruct one another. It can even mean to edify one another. But nevertheless, within the New Testament Scripture, about six times we are called as believers to exhort one another. Quite different from the others, I've given these same type of statistics for each one of these. Quite different than some of the others is that there is only one author that has made the statement of these, this exhort one another type of statement, and that was the Apostle Paul. He stated it in four different books that he wrote in the New Testament Scripture. And so, although it's a little bit unlike some of the others, like love and serve and be at peace, amen, because there's no direct statement from Jesus telling us to exhort one another, yet I believe there is an indirect action of the Lord that conveys the same. And the reason being is this, is because whenever we look at the purpose and the action of the Holy Ghost that God has given to those who desire it, that that Holy Ghost is spoken of in John 14 as being a comforter, which carries the same meaning of the word exhort, meaning that it's something that comes along beside you, something that comes along beside you to stand with you. The Bible says in John 14, and so we don't have a direct word from Jesus about exhorting, but he left, the Bible says in John 14 and verse 18, Jesus is speaking. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. See, Jesus in his earthly ministry has been the comforter. He has walked along beside his disciples. He has stood with them. He has given them the instruction. He's been the teacher. He's been the comforter. He's been the exhorter. He's been the admonisher that the word exhort encompasses all these ideas and concepts. But he says, I'm going to go away. He says, but whenever I go, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He says, I will come to you. But this time that he comes, he's not coming as a babe wrapped in a manger in human flesh. He's going to come as a spirit on the day of Pentecost as the Holy Ghost 
and the same comfort they had through the man Christ Jesus, they'll have through the Spirit of God known as the Holy Ghost. That which was with them shall now be in them. Amen. He says, so I'm not going to leave you comfortless. So I think we see even through this, although he didn't speak it directly, amen, he acted and purposed it in coming back as the comforter, as the Holy Ghost to his people, amen, to give them what he wanted people to, to support, come alongside and stand with, if you will, one another. The Bible says in John 14 and verse 25, just a little bit further down than verse number 18, he says, these things, this is Jesus speaking, these things have I spoken to you being yet present with you, he says, look, here's verse 26, but the comforter tells us who or what it is, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And so he is, he is, he is operating. He is operating the office. He is operating by as he was in real flesh, sitting down with his disciples by a brook or under the shade of a tree or on the height of a mountain, teaching and admonishing and exhorting and instructing. He says, now, he says, as I go away, you're not going to be left without that. He said, because the Holy Ghost, which will be the comforter, which he says, and, and that's really me, he says, because notice he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Right. Huh? I will come to you. Saint, Saint. The God of creation is the Jesus Christ of humanity, is the Holy Ghost of infilling of the Spirit. Amen. Absolutely. Different form, different relationship, but same God. Hallelujah. And so he says, you're not going to be left without that admonition or that exhorting or that teaching. He says, you're going to still get it because that Holy Ghost that you receive, it's going to teach you. It's going to bring all things to remembrance. And look at verse 27. Here's Christ. His, his, his literal fleshly feet are still on the earth. He says in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, Give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, this is interesting to me. As a man in human flesh, here Jesus has been the comforter. He says, but I'm leaving. But I'm not going to leave without giving peace. But that peace that you have, amen, is going to be there until I come back in spirit form. As the Holy Ghost. Isn't it interesting that in our study we said that it's important for you to have peace to one another because peace with one another then allows this, this last one, exhortation or teaching and instruction and admonishing of one another to take place. Jesus says, I'm going to leave you with my peace. He says, but I'm going to send the exhorter to you. <laughs> he said, I'm going to leave you with my peace. And know what he says? The peace that I give is not like the world. We talked about that last week. The peace that we have in our idea, the concept of peace we have in our world is totally different than the peace that God is speaking of in the word of God. That peace is a, is a completeness, a wholeness. It's not just about, you know, there being no smoke and there being no fighting. No, no, no. It's a wholeness. It is a completeness. And so when we look at both the words exhort and we look at the word comfort, both of these share a shade of meaning of coming alongside or standing with another. And so, by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Ghost, God's Spirit has come alongside and along with us, thus giving us an example that we need to come alongside and stand with our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. You need them to acknowledge you. You need them to love you. You need them to serve you. You need them to be at peace with you. And you need them, lastly today, to exhort you. Anybody anybody around the change into the season ever seen, hear those little geese up in the sky? Huh? That ever got your attention? You hear that and you look up? It happens a lot over in our area, don't it, guys? I see it all the time over there where the fields are and kind of get away from the city. And all the time you hear the honking of geese up in the sky. Amen. 
You don't see them, Sarah? You look at me if I puzzle face. That's because you live more in the city, see? Amen. But out towards wherever the, the fields are, I see them go by. And they're flying there in that little V formation. And they say, scientists say that as each goose flaps its wings, it creates an uplift for the birds that follow it. So much so that by flying in that V formation, the whole flock, this is according to science, adds about 71% greater flying range than if each bird flew by themselves. So since they were together, they can go 71% longer in range than if they had just flown by themselves. Bishop used to be preaching, talking about the honking that they're just trying to encourage one another just to keep on. Amen. What I'm saying this morning is we need the exhortation. We need the comfort. We need the coming alongside of one another because we can go further together than we can apart. I want to be attached to this body because we can go further together than we are apart. I even scratch my head sometimes as a pastor and I see some not going as far as others and it makes me wonder how well they're tethered to the body. Because I know we can go further together. Amen. Then we are apart. Someone say amen. And so, so, so Jesus told him he would not leave them comfortless. He would come to them. He has been with them. He shall be in them. Amen. He, he knows that they would be able to accomplish more. And this is true according to the word. That they would accomplish more with his spirit than without his spirit. He even told them at different times, greater things than this shall ye do. They would be accomplished more with the spirit than without the spirit. But when we have, when we have mirrored the spirit of God, when we have mirrored the Holy Ghost, whenever we mirror that, we receive one another and exhort one another and come alongside one another. And we offer that comfort, if you will, at times when each of us need it just to walk just one more mile. Just one more mile. And again, Jesus pairs this comfort with his peace because it seems like leaving peace, it seems like that's vitally important then to the exhortation or the comforter which is the Holy Ghost coming in so much, in so much, look at it in John, you look at it in John 16, 7, just for your reference, it probably won't be up there, but Jesus said this in John 16, 7, he says, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come. Yet as he's leaving, he's leaving peace. Amen. To bring the springboard, if you will, for the exhorter or the comforter, the Holy Ghost. Normally without peace, people are separated. People are divided. People are disjointed. Uh, I dare to say this morning that we will not come alongside someone that we're not at peace with. I mean, maybe things are different at your household, but if me and my wife are at odds, we're usually not sitting on the couch next to each other. Now, maybe in your world, things are different. When you're at odds with somebody, you're linking arms and you're going out to eat and you're sipping out of the same straw. I don't know. But normally, people that, people that don't have peace, you don't just go alongside them and stand with them. Now, again, I said the word exhort is it's, it's a multifaceted word. There's several hues of meaning to this word exhort. Matter of fact, many people, if they were just to read through Scripture, this concept of exhortation, if you will, in New Testament Scripture, in the writings, a lot of people say, well, you know, to exhort, that's just some kind of, you know, Christian expression, some type of Christian message that's supposed to help strengthen the body of believers and encourage the congregation and help and just, you know, be a breath, a, a fresh wind in their sails, so to speak. And that is all very much so true. All of that that I just stated is absolutely true. But I believe sometimes the way that we imagine exhortation and how that is really accomplished, it's not always the same as an encouraging word or a comforting hand on the side. When we think of comfort, whenever we think of edify, which means to build up, I have, you know, just right from the go, from the hip, I have pretty positive thoughts about that. You talk about comforting me, that, that I have positive thoughts about that. When you talk about edifying, building up, 
Man, I have some very positive thoughts about that. I mean, what could be more positive than to have someone come alongside you and to build you up, right? I mean, that, that seems to be very positive. But there's other shades of meaning to this word exhort. And here is one. To urge one to pursue some course of conduct. Now, walk with me here. If we're not careful in the setting and the context of the church, we could very easily mistakenly identify to exhort or an exhortation solely as a word of encouragement. Solely as a hand of comfort. It's purpose to edify and it's purpose to build up. Listen to this statement. If you remember anything I say this morning, remember this statement. But some of the things that comfort us the most and edify us the most are the ones that warn us the severest. Not every exhortation that's comfort is a positive word, like you're doing a great job, let's keep it up. But our souls should be just as much as comforted as, you know what, I've seen you been missing here lately. That's a word of exhortation. Someone say amen. Well, Brother McGee, that's not telling me what I'm doing right. Maybe not, but it's just a heed. It's asking you to heed to a warning. And it's still ultimate, ultimate, ultimately trying to build you. Someone say amen. It's still trying to build you up. Oh, somebody talk to me now. Consider a few of these statements in Scripture. This is found in Acts 27, 22. Don't have to go there. Be of good cheer. That's good stuff. Consider this one. Jude 1 and verse number 3. Earnestly contend for the faith. Yeah. 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 Consider this one. Acts 2 and verse 40. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. All three of those statements are exhortations. You can read in Scripture. Each one of them are preceded. I exhort you by saying... Be of good cheer or earnestly contend for this faith or save yourselves from this untoward generation. But according to our standards sometimes, some of those may have been a little bit more encouraging and strengthening than maybe one of the others. Because some of those had a little bit more of a touch of warning in them than some of the others. But listen, folks, that's still encouraging. That's still comforting. That's still edifying. Okay. No, 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 (laughs) no. We don't. Lucas, you help me this morning, buddy. You help me. So, Shay, you can help me too. Is that okay? James is not out here. I'm not your parent, son, but today I'm going to be. Comfort, exhort, come along beside. Stand with. Oh, that, let's walk. That's, that's exhorting. I, I'm, I'm along beside, come along, stand with. Matter of fact, when my kids were little, Lucas probably likes to do it too. You know, we do all kinds of fun things when you hold hands. You, you want to swing? Let's swing. You ready? Well, we could do that all morning, couldn't we, buddy? That's great. We're coming alongside. We're comforting. We're exhorting. This is great. But, you know, there's been similar times that we've done stuff like this that I've firmed up my hand on his hand because what I was doing was restraining him. We are coming to an intersection and I was restraining him, but I'm alongside him. Does standing with somebody just mean that you just blow in their sound, whatever they're doing, you just encourage and say, go with it. No, standing with someone is Brother Mason fighting for the highest good of that individual. And sometimes me standing with him is not saying, let's swing right now. No, we need to stand still. We don't need to move. We don't need to put our foot. That's just as much as an exhortation. That's just as much as edifying. That's just as much as building up as all the other. 
Thank you, buddy. Just as much. Because, folks, it takes somebody to come alongside you to breathe a fresh word of encouragement in your ear. But it also takes somebody to come alongside of you to give a little heed of a warning in your ear as well. All of that is building up ourselves, each other, in the Lord. I'm not talking about each of us laying the hammer to each other, but I don't see nothing wrong for somebody else in this church to come up to somebody that's been missing and say, we've been missing you here lately. Because within those words, within those words is another saint trying to build you up and at the same time have you heed a warning that you've not been here. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. So what I'm trying to convey to us today is this. Simply sometimes sometimes a little nudge and an urging on the back of the back is just as important as a restraining hand on the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Folks, if anything, since exhort can have that, 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 that line of of urging someone in a certain direction of conduct it may not be that you're following that line of conduct at the time, but urging them to a certain course of conduct. That is the reason why, listen to me, why peace prior to this is so essential. You say, well, you're about ready to mess up that peace. No, 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 no. When you be at peace, and you got that love, and you got all these mechanisms working together prior to this moment, we should be a little bit more at ease to be able to receive a warning. For that matter, if we look at the real scripture in the New Testament, just talking about the relationship between us and Christ, it says that he chastises those whom he What kind of love would we have, Sister Malone? If we let little Lucas just run out to the intersection, who cares what's coming or going? You know, he should be able to live his own life. Make his own decisions. Do what he feels like doing. God, I'm about ready to preach here. He should be able to make all these choices, decisions on his own. Folks, I'm telling you today, we need to be able to exhort one another. We need the exhortation of heaven. We need the exhortation of this pulpit. We need the exhortation of leadership in this church because when the rubber meets the road, you can't always do what you feel like doing. You can't always just make the choice and the decision and just live your life the way that you want to. If you're going to be a part of the body, if you're going to be a part of the church, we need to build each other up even if it means by way of warning. Yeah. That's not anybody being hateful. In true sincerity, it's probably someone being concerned. I'm not using concern in the way that kind of covers up a multitude of sin. They want to get in your business and all that garbage. I'm just talking about sincerity of concern. I've had people come to me before and say, you know, such and such, where have they been? Well, you know, because they noticed they hadn't been here, so, which they could call, you know. But I'm just saying, they're just genuinely concerned about where that person may be and what that person may be doing. Sometimes I can give them some information concerning, well, they've been sick. Then there's other times I can't because I don't know. You know. And so, but these things, these things are important. So with peace is essential. Because it's difficult to direct someone's awareness about, about an item that needs changed if there's no peace. Because it's hard enough whenever there is peace. It's hard. Sometimes it's almost like you don't know if or what's the outcome going to be. Now, i got to move on here. A couple of these exhort one another verses, six of them in particular, 
actual commands, exhort one another. A couple of these one another verses are set in the context talking about new or fresh believers. New or fresh believers. Now remember, one of the notable things about the comforter, the Holy Ghost, what I even called the exhorter, is that according to John 14 and John 16, is that it, it teaches us all things. It guide us, guides us into all directions that we need to go. And so it's very important in the context of a new believer that they have that exhortation because they're kind of like, you know, like a, a what's the old saying? Like a mule staring at a new gate. Huh? What am I supposed to do with this? And so there needs to be a little guidance. There needs to be some exhortation, if you will, to know where to go, how to do, how, how to adopt our lives. Amen. Here, here is another one in Colossians 3.16. Uh, the Bible says, let the word of Christ, and whenever this is being spoken, you can read Colossians 3, 6, the verses above 16, 1 through 15, and it's a talking about the old man, the new man uh, type of scenario. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So Paul, prior to this, has been telling them, you've taken, you've, been, you've taken off the old man, you've put on the new man, and look in verse number 16, there's something that seems to be very a tool, very instrumental in teaching and admonishing, which I would just put them under the umbrella of exhorting, something very instrumental in teaching and admonishing, and that's the word. The word of Christ. Matter of fact, in the book of Titus, Titus spoke. Uh, Paul was speaking to Titus and said, Titus, he said, by the doctrine of the faithful word of God, he said, you're, you'll be able, you'll be able to exhort the gainsayers, even those who are denying this, even those who are against this, you'll be able to exhort the gainsayers. Now, consider this, teaching and admonishing, this under the umbrella of exhort. Look, look the word teach here. Whenever we think about teach, we think many times it has to do with some type of impartation of positive truth. But when you consider the word admonish, the word admonish, it's not just a telling. But the word admonish in, in the Greek is has in view the things that are wrong and calls for a warning. It's to direct one's mind towards something that needs changed. Now look, they're amazing. I think this is good for, for us and those that are involved in music and music ministry and for everybody that's sitting here. He says teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs. This verse does something for me, Bishop. It reveals to me what the character of our psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs should be. These are things that are written in such a way that we should be able to use them for teaching and admonishing one another, or even if you will, if they would find their basis, these songs, in the word of God, they would be used in such a way that they could exhort one another. Can, can I tell you this morning, can I tell you this morning that God's word is so powerful that even when it's in a song, it has the ability to teach and admonish you. sat in this house and wondered sometimes why does it why does it feel different or seem different here than it would some other place it might be just this number one the people that are singing the songs on this platform they wouldn't be on this platform if they didn't have the Holy Ghost had to repent of their sins and be baptized in Jesus name number two many of the songs that we sing have not been written by Joe Blow and this or that by apostolic I'm not saying they all are but many of them have been written by apostolic Pentecostal people and their basis is found in the word of God many times the lyrics that you are singing whether you realize it or not are absolutely sometimes verbatim of the word of God so you want to know what the difference is all you need to do is take the spirit and the word of the spirit put them together and sing honey sing and teaching and admonition take oh Folks, whenever we start service and they begin to play and sing, we start our service out with an encounter of the Word of God that's being sung. And then later we get to this moment where the Word of God is being preached. 
But I'm telling you this morning, we didn't start teaching and we didn't start admonishing when I stepped up to this pulpit. But when Brother Mason and Sister Mason and Brother Alec Mason started this service, there was already teaching and admonition that went forth through the sung songs in this place. If they're based on the word, that can happen. It's not just that during the song, oh, we see someone come to pray. They must have felt something through the music. That just excited their emotions to a certain degree. They had a response. No, 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 you got it all fully wrong. Yeah, the Spirit of God can come down. But more importantly, there's word issuing forth through those words and through that music. And that did. Years ago, we were in Florida. I was in a revival. I was preaching. Usually my wife got up every night. She either sang or signed a song before I preached. She got up. It was on a Sunday morning. I will not forget it. We were sitting there, and Sister McGee began to sign a song, When God Ran to Me. That's based upon the story of Luke 15, right, of the prodigal son that was lost and came back. And as she signed, and she's not singing. She's just signing to the words of the word. And as she's signing, a man back on the back, Pew got up, tears in his eyes, and ran to an altar of prayer and prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I preached good? No, but because there was word of teaching and admonition coming through the song. Honey, we don't start service when I start preaching. We don't start service at the altar call. We start service the moment we come in here and God's word through songs is going forth. That's exhortation. That's exhortation. Yeah, you've all heard the stories. Bishop says, when I was a sick little boy, I used to grab my guitar, start strumming it and singing songs. Couldn't just, couldn't get no deliverance in the household. But I start singing songs. All of a sudden, the fever broke. All of a sudden, the body's well. Why? Because there's word that was going from the songs. And Jesus even told him, I don't have to come. I can send my word and heal you. Honey, somebody sing. My God. Somebody sing a song. I'm ignorant to it if it's happened, but I never heard anybody come to God over all my exes live in Texas. Now I hang my hat in Tennessee. I never heard anybody just get a refreshing of the Holy Ghost by seeing all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Why? Because many of those songs have no basis in the Word. Many of those songs have no basis in the Word. And since there's no basis in the Word, they're void of power to save. They're void of power to renew. They're void of power for alteration or change. But you give me a song that talks about we won't relent until we have it all as found in the Song of Solomon. I'm telling you, we need to sing a song. There's words of exhortation in it.
Oh, let's raise our hands right now to him. I feel the impact of his presence. I recognize the authority of the Almighty here. Yeah. Stand to your feet with me. Come on. Stand to your feet with me. Raise your hands. Open your mouth. Hey. Hey. God, God, Brother Mason, if you can come. He caught Something that caught my attention in the perusal and studying of these exhort one another verses. And you just stand with me. I'm, going, I'm just come close. That four out of the six of these <clears throat> verses are called the church to exert one another exhort one another and their setting in each one bishop is this the context the reason for why that should take place was this because the end of time or the rapture is approaching In Hebrews, in our scripture setting, Apostle Paul speaking to the Hebrews. He had just got done talking to them. I'll try to read quick in Hebrews 3, 7. He says, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice. Said, harden not your hearts as in the provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. He's referring back to the Israelites in their time of their wilderness. He said, when your fathers tempted me or tested me. And proved me and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do not always err in their heart. Or they do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I, so I swear in my wrath they shall not enter in my rest. Speaking of Canaan. So he just got done talking about a generation from years ago. That had an appointed time of 40 years. To make a reversal. To make a change. But their hearts were hard. They did not listen. They hewed out their own way. They went their own path in spite of the warning. He said, as a result of that, they shall not enter into my rest. And so after, after warning his readers that they were in danger uh, of committing apostasy or going off the beaten trail that God had laid out for them, like the first generation after they left Egypt, he goes on and tells them then how they can avoid doing that. And one of the words that he would speak to them would be this. He says, you all got to exhort one another daily. Daily. While it is still called today. 
know what he's referring back to? He said, Bays of those, those of old. There today was that 40-year time period. It had a start, it had a finish. He says, you all need to exhort each other daily. There needs to be some, some adherence to what's being said while it's still yet called today. We, we, we maybe don't have a 40-year time period, but we all have a life cycle. And we might be living in the moment that life cycle could even be shortened by a rapture. For some, those that are in Christ. What he's saying is that we got to exhort each other daily while we still have this opportunity, while we still have this time before death, while we still have this time before the rapture of the church. We got to do this daily. We need to instruct. We need to teach. We need to comfort. We need to edify. We need to warn. Because there is a definite end to this thing. There is a definite end to this thing. Some, some very sad words, and I'm, I'm close, I am, I'm shutting up. Some very sad words that Paul spoke to Titus in Titus 3.10. He said, a man that is a heretic, after the first and second admonition, he said, reject. Admonition. Trying to steer somebody in the direction that they should be going. Trying to give warning to where they are, to where they need to be. He told Titus, now that was the day he said, Titus, after the first time you've done it and the second time you've done it. And they keep going that direction. Me and my wife had to play this game. Sometimes I say something to the kids a few times, it seems like it goes to the bottom of the ocean. And I say, dear, and it's your, tu- your turn. Help me out. We do this. She might do it too. Sometimes maybe they'll get it, maybe, you know, third or fourth time. But sometimes if it's just one of those things, you know what? Life might be a real good teacher here. She's not listened to, I'm not listened to. Okay, go for it. They might get hurt. We wouldn't make it life-threatening, just short of it, but they might get hurt. Because I've done all the exhortation I can do. I've walked alongside them. I gave them the word of encouragement when they need it, the word of warning when they need it. But sometimes children act like, do I have a father? And there's church children that act the same way. I think Paul's telling Titus, saying, just let your hand off of them, Titus. They might have to be a learner of their own mistakes. They might have to be a learner that might have to come back to the parent, per se, and say, you know what? You were right. I'm not going to play the advocate that stands up here just looking for the time that happens and run out to meet and say, ha ha, I told you so. Ha! No. If you be honest with yourself, if you don't listen now, there'll be a day. You might not tell me personally. You might tell heaven it. You know what? Pastor was right about that. No, when, talked about, when Bishop all those years talked about the essentiality of prayer, you know what? He, he was right about all that. When he talked about we need not to, to forsake the say, you know what, he was, he's right. But when you're talking about uh, the importance of praise and worship and, and all this other stuff that we seem to sometimes talk about over and over again, you know what, there might be some day. It might happen sooner for some or later for others when you're gray and wrinkled on your deathbed. But there could be just a fleeting thought going through your mind. You know what, at this stage in the game of death, you know, they were really right about something. And so to safeguard from that day happening, he says, exhort now, daily, daily, while we got today. Because we don't want people to come to that moment in the end of their life. We want people to come to that moment right now at this period of moment in their life. 
we bow our heads across this place. Past five weeks, we've been told to acknowledge each other. We've been told to love each other. We've been told to serve one another. We've been told to pacify or be at peace with one another. Today, we close with the resounding remark that we need to exhort. And that comfort and that building up sometimes, yes, it does come through the word of a warning to heeding a redirection. Christ came down in spirit form to invest himself in our lives to be that for us. We need to help provoke each other toward that same end, toward that same end, toward that same end. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more. We take, this is what we have all times kind of misguided a little bit. We have so much the more part have applied that to the forsaking not of the assembly. That's what we, we've always done it. But if you really consider it, the, the so much the more is toward the exhortation. And if we'll continue to vehemently and increase our exhortation, perhaps the fulfillment of the not forsaking. <sighs> These altars are open today. It's the end of our one another series. We need each other this morning. We need each other. Positively, we need each other. We need each other. Hallelujah, these altars are open. I prayed this morning, this would be my wish and desire for the close of this service. I know sometimes we stay back in our little protective spots in the pew, but if you could come forward this morning, just make yourself vulnerable to each other and to the Lord. Just make yourself vulnerable to each other and the Lord. Amen. Just come forward today. Even if you got to come forward and sit on the front pew, that's fine. I understand some of our elders may need that, but if you can just come forward today. God, I'm here. I'm a part of this body. I've been baptized by one spirit into one body. God, I'm a part of this body. Lord, I, I want to acknowledge my brothers and my sisters. I, I want to love them, serve them, be at peace with them, exhort one another. God, out of, out, of a, out of a vein of sincerity, out of a vein of concern, help me, oh Lord Jesus. God, we want to make this trip together. We need to make this trip together because we can go further together than we can alone. Ah, oh, yeah. Hallelujah, Brother Mason is going to sing. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.